politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. So just what kind of a role will Kamala Harris have in all of this? The filling of the Supreme Court vacancy as Justice Breyer announces officially his retirement. And President Biden says he's going to put a black woman on the court. Just how much say will the vice president have in all of this? Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. And should Republicans fight or should they let this one be a pass? I'll explain to you the political strategy that is surfacing right now. Ah, yes. A whistleblower on Twitter who works for um, a firm that is doing security for the Olympics. I should say technology for the Olympics tweeted out the following today and i retweeted this earlier after reverse engineering all of the beijing 2022 spyware app for apple ios and google android i can definitively say all olympian audio is being collected analyzed and saved on chinese servers using tech from the usa blacklisted firm and then he puts the name of the firm on there jonathan scott is a malware spyware forensics researcher and founder of a company that deals with all this stuff and he's saying right now that all of this is going to be from, from China. They're going to be spying on everything. And MIT, the school MIT, cut ties with this Chinese AI firm amid human rights concerns. That iFly Tech has been accused of selling technology to the Chinese government that chooses to suppress and oppress the ethnic Uyghurs in China's northwest. I'm telling you right now, we we we're not going to we don't stand up to China, we don't stand up to Russia, we don't stand up to Iran, we don't stand up to anybody. We don't have Europe united, and because we don't have Europe united, obviously, you can imagine then uh, Russia's laughing at us behind their back because or in front of us because they know that Europe is not united. And look, I don't want war. You don't want war. Nobody wants war. But Putin's playing on that fact. There's no doubt about it. By the way, Sweden came out a short time ago and said they will not recommend the COVID vaccine for kids ages 5 through 11. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Now, I will tell you that this is time now for everybody to say enough is enough with our children and hands off our children and let them live their lives. Nicole, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, who will be on the show with me tomorrow morning, she said the argument for COVID vaccine in healthy kids fell flat with Omicron as the ability to prevent infection dropped by 30%. Less than 30%. With a survival rate approaching 100% and over 70% of kids having some level of immunity, this low-risk group needs to regain normalcy in their lives. Leave the kids alone. I agree. Leave the kids alone. And did you know that Starbucks, Boeing, and Delta are hiring back staff they fired under the vaccine mandate? Do you know that? We owe these people an apology, but there's a United Airlines pilot who says she's blacklisted. She, she can't work anywhere. She's blocked from finding a job or accessing her 401k for refusing the vaccine. You believe that? She says, I'm prohibited from getting another job. I'm prohibited from accessing my 401k. This United pilot says, Mary Margaret Olhan, reporting that Sherry Walker tells Daily Signal she's a captain for United Airlines. She says, I'm out on unpaid leave. I am prohibited from getting another job. I'm prohibited from accessing my 401k. I have no medical benefits. And I'm leading the charge in this fight. 
Gary Walker. I am co-founder of Airline Employees with Health Freedom. I'm a captain for United Airlines. All right. And can you tell us what you're doing here today? Right. We are standing up against the mandates. Our 2,000 employees have taken a stand against our employer for their Title VII rights under the ADA and for their faith. So we are here today to express that while we believe our employer has the right to have a mandate, they are obligated under Title VII to give us reasonable accommodations. And right now we're fighting in the Fifth Circuit Court in New Orleans to wait a judgment to see if, if we will succeed in a preliminary injunction or if we will continue on the unreasonable accommodation of indefinite unpaid leave. Can you tell us a little bit about how the mandates have affected you? Me personally, I am out on unpaid leave. I am prohibited from getting another job. I'm prohibited from accessing my 401k. I have no medical benefits and I'm leading the charge in this fight so my days are consumed. All right. And we've been asking a lot of people today, we keep hearing that this march is being portrayed as anti-vaccine rather than anti-mandate. What do you think about that? I think that's a complete falsity. We are not anti-vaccine. We are pro-choice. In fact, I will go so far as to tell you that my mother got the vaccine. It was the right choice for her health. Um, on the flip side of the coin, I'm here because I have a 16-year-old and I don't want to look back in 10 years when he says, Mom, you had a chance to protect my liberty and my freedom and you didn't do it. So we're here fighting for the rights of everyone to make the choices that are best for their health and their faith. Awesome. And President Joe Biden's in the White House right over there. If you could tell him anything about this mandate and what's going on in your battle, what would you say? I would say it doesn't matter what party you're with. You need to stand up for what the Constitution says, our liberty and our rights. Our founding fathers left England because they wanted to be able to pray to the God of their choice. Our laws come from our, our God, not from man. And it is time that you stand up and restore the Constitution to the United States. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of this woman and great reporting by Mary Margaret Olihan. Uh, you know, I think it's it's just it's absurd what we're dealing with right now with all these vaccine mandates. And again, this is not anti-vaccine. This is anti-vaccine mandate. Don't let the left play that game. This is anti-vaccine mandate. That is what this is about. We are seeing companies now having to hire back people that they fired over vaccine mandates because they can't fill these jobs. And we're talking about a vaccine mandate for what purpose exactly? With a survivability rate of 99%. And again, you know, look, if you're somebody who's in that high-risk group, I think you really should get vaccinated. If it works for you and it works for your health and your doctor advises you, I certainly can't give you health advice. But I would, I would, I would encourage my parents. I did encourage my parents to get vaccinated. And they're vaccinated. But there's no, there should not be a mandate on anybody. There should not be a mandate this is what's wrong right now, is this mandate. You know, because the data is changing all the time. The reason why Sweden decided today that they're not going to recommend kids between ages of 5 and 11 get vaccinated is because they say that the risks and the benefits, they kind of are the same. So if the benefits don't outweigh the risks, you can't go forward and recommend something. Kids are just not dealing with Omicron in a very serious way. This virus is very contagious with Omicron. And the good news about it is, and this is an important point, the good news about Omicron is that it's almost over. And I don't know if that's good, because, I mean, maybe it should keep spreading and spreading and spreading so another variant doesn't crowd in. Either way, as Dr. Marty McCarry said in the Wall Street Journal, public health officials ruined many lives by insisting that workers with natural immunity to COVID-19 be fired if they weren't fully vaccinated. And after two years of accruing data, the superiority of natural immunity over vaccinated immunity is clear. By firing staff with natural immunity, employers got rid of those least likely to infect others. It's time to reinstate those employees with an apology. Yeah, I would say so. 
By the way, Marvel, I don't know. You know I'm a big comic book fan. Movie comic books, anyway. I don't have the patience to read them, but I like when they become movies, particularly the, the Marvel Universe, the Avengers, and all that. Evangeline Lilly, who's in the Marvel movies, she plays the Wasp. She's great, anyway. She, uh, she was in D.C. marching, in D.C. marching at that exact same march, and this is what she put out there on her, on her Instagram page. I'm going to share this with you. And they're killing her over this, by the way. They want to blacklist her from Hollywood and everything else. She said, I was in D.C. this weekend to support bodily sovereignty while Canadian truckers were rallying for their cross-country peaceful convoy in support of the same thing. I believe nobody should ever be forced to inject their body with anything against their will under threat of violent attack, arrest or detention without trial, loss of employment, homelessness, starvation, loss of education, alienation from loved ones, excommunication from society, under any threat whatsoever. This is not the way. This is not safe. This is not healthy. This is not love. I understand the world is in fear, but I don't believe that answering fear with force will fix our problems. She says, I was pro-choice before COVID and I am still pro-choice today. She says, she says uh, hashtag I am with you, Canadian truckers, bodily sovereignty. Now, remember something. This is a consistent person who's pro-choice because it's my body, my choice, hands off my body. We've seen all those signs for years when it came to abortion. And how many pro-choice people now are all in on vaccine mandates, including the ACU, by the way, the ACLU. The ACLU is completely all in on mandates as they fight fervently for abortion. And their argument for abortion is, hands off my body. And they turn around the next time and say, get a vaccine or, or else. Be ostracized from society. And you know how this is reported by the left, the Daily Beast writing, Marvel's Evangeline Lilly attended D.C. anti-vax Protest. It was an anti-vaccine mandate protest, an anti-mask mandate protest. It was literally a stop the mandates protest, which I support fully. All of everything that they were doing today to stop the mandates. Do I agree with making uh, Holocaust comparisons and Nazi and Hitler comparisons? You know I don't because I think that it winds up hurting. Those comparisons only wind up blowing up in people's faces. Find better analogies. There are better analogies to make. Find them. Use them. You want to convince people? You want to get your points across? Don't invoke Hitler. Don't invoke the Holocaust. Don't do it. Just don't. If your goal is to convince people, logos, ethos, and pathos. Aristotle, Socrates, they wrote all about this. Logos, ethos, and pathos. You got to use logic. You have to appeal to people's emotions. You have to appeal to people's passions. But if the logic is not there, if you can punch holes in the logic, you're never going to convince people. So do better. But I support what they were there for, which is to stop mandates. We should not be sacrificing our liberty right now. And that's what we're doing in this country. And it's wrong. And it needs to stop. It needs to stop. We, we are in a situation right now where we've got people who cannot get heart transplants because they're not vaccinated. We are in a situation right now where people are losing their lives, their livelihoods, and their emotional well-being because they've been told that they can't work or they can't play or they can't live. It's wrong. It's just wrong, period. And I'm not anti-vaccine. I've told you before I'm vaccinated. I don't even know why I have to qualify that other than some idiot out there is going to try to call me anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-drugs either. I don't do them. I don't think they should be prohibited. Because I think that anytime you put prohibitions in or anytime you put mandates in, these things backfire in people's faces. We know that. 
We know that prohibitions don't work. We know that mandates don't work. We know these things don't work. And yet we still do them, don't we? Why is that? Because people in government think they know better than everybody else. That's why. They think they know better than everybody else, and they don't understand how the free market operates. They don't understand how the underground market operates. They don't understand these things. Now, I'll tell you what. We've got a lot of people who are not in the workforce right now. Why is that? Two things. Number one, vaccine mandates. Number two, it's because they don't have to work yet. They are still sitting home on their asses not working because they don't have to go back to work. That's the problem right there. That's the problem. And it's a problem that needs to, needs to end. It really does. It needs to end. You know, this Neil Young's a jerk. He really is. He's a jerk. He's a fat, no offense to fat people. He's a bloated, I mean, miserable man. What a miserable man he is. Uh, Spotify has begun to remove his music following his protests of, this, of, uh, of, of what he calls dissemination of COVID-19 misinformation on Joe Rogan's podcast. Now, <clears throat> remember something about Neil Young. Neil Young has a long record of spreading scientific misinformation. That's right. A long record of it. The podcast and the damage done. <laughs> this is a great point from Louis Anslow, who wrote this for the Daily Beast. And it's a really important point. And he says um, that Neil Young for a long time has been ever since his 2015 album, and even before that, but in 2015, he released an entire album called The Monsanto Years. Wall-to-wall songs from an anti-biotechnology point of view. Young's anti-GMO rhetoric helped fuel a narrative that made it easy to spread fear and distrust about COVID vaccines, most of which used novel biotechnology methods and some of which used genetic engineering. A collective amnesia has sent in amongst progressives regarding the left's past pandering to the anti-biotechnology movement. Reactionary Ludism, especially around biotechnology, was both politically correct and convenient for progressive celebrity activists, but that was in the before times. The anti-GMO movement, which rose to prominence in the mid-1990s and early 2000s, attained a key legislative win in 2014 when Vermont mandated GMO labeling of food. Activists insisted it was vital information for consumers to make informed choices, despite wide scientific agreement that they're safe for consumption. In fact, not only were GMOs not a threat to human health, they've been a boon to it, much like the insulin that has kept Neil Young alive for most of his life. Vitamin A enriched golden rice, for example, could have saved millions of lives and helped prevent child blindness were it not stymied by anti-GMO activists. Breaking from the peace for a moment. You know, years ago I read this book on wheat. I will never give up wheat. I'd rather die than live a life without pizza and pasta. I mean that. I really would. I'd rather die. I'd, now, granted, I don't have celiac disease. Maybe if I had celiac disease, I would change my mind, but I don't. And I hear from people all the time, your body can't digest gluten, blah, 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 blah. Wheat's been so messed with and all. The, I don't care. I love pizza. I love pasta. I have one life to live. And in that life, I'm going to enjoy pizza and pasta, especially when it's pizza out of my wood-fired oven, and especially when it's my homemade pasta. I use eggs, nice, nice hearty meatles, noodles, nice, you know what I mean? But uh, this book was going on about wheat, and they said, you know, all this wheat, this dwarf wheat has all been genetically modified. Yeah, and you know what basically ended famine in the world? If you grew up at a certain time, you remember when they used to have all of those specials? on all the time about, you know, feed the world, we are the world. When was the last time you had a we are the world? Remember those back in the day? 
We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's stop singing. I should never be allowed to sing. I know several of you are cringing right now. My apologies. Uh, why don't we do those anymore? Why don't we hear about the kids in Bangladesh anymore who are starving? Why is that? You know what well, the answer is that is wheat. Dwarf wheat. We were able to genetically modify wheat in a way that enabled it to grow in harsh conditions. We ended famine. Yes, there are starving people in the world, but we don't have mass famine killing tens of thousands of people a day with countries that literally have no food. That's over. We fixed it. Technology won. See, this is something about the left. They hate progress, actually. They really do. They call themselves progressives. They hate progress. They always have. They always have. If it were up to them, they turn the lights off tomorrow. In these developing countries around the world where they've been able to get electricity to, to, to have refrigeration, keep their food long without spoiling, where we've been able to modify wheat to be able to grow in harsh conditions like places like Bangladesh, for example, Ethiopia. You know, life-saving technologies like being able to keep the lights on in storms with generators, being able to keep people on dialysis machines even if the power goes off. All of those things are made possible by progress that the left absolutely despises and hates. With every ounce of their being, hates it. In order to save the world, what the left would do tomorrow is they would take a giant, like you ever see one of those like big boxes, you know, electrical boxes with the, with the switch, they go, boom, turn it off to save Mother Earth. They'd kill millions of people. Millions of people would die in a heartbeat. That's not exaggeration. It's not hyperbole. There are millions of people in this world right now who are living in developing nations. It's a much higher than millions. It's billions, but let's just go for the sake of argument. It's millions. In developing nations around the world, it's billions of people. And they want what we want. They want to be able to live and feed their families and be safe and be able to have access to life-saving medicines and drugs. All that is made possible by energy that the left hates. And what we've also been able to do by solving the famine crisis in the world by modifying food is to make it survive longer, feed more people, and grow in conditions that are not hospitable. That is called progress. The left hates it. Progressives hate progress. Progressives hate progress. Amplified by Neil Young, they actually laid the groundwork for the anti-COVID vaccine movement today, giving it an arsenal of misinformation to be repurposed, mainstream articles to be referenced, and misguided laws to be held up as proof of inherent dangers posed by safe technologies. COVID vaccines containing a genetically engineered virus were framed by skeptics as risky, simply by pointing to the way regulators and media outlets had treated GMOs, often at the behest of radical activists like Neil Young. Non-GMO vaccines using mRNA dealt with accusations that they turned people into GMOs, an incoherent notion that had to be denied by multiple health agencies across the world, he writes. Again, this is from the Daily Beast. One of the main arguments in favor of GMO labeling serves as a precedent for arguments against vaccine mandates. Quote, the science says they're safe, but people should be able to choose for themselves, which implies that they might, in fact, not be safe. That was entirely behind Vermont's efforts to label everything GMO, which cost the food, big food, cost them billions of dollars. And I mean, to relabel everything. Some companies just said, we're not selling our, crap, our stuff in Vermont anymore. And what I, say, I should say would have cost them billions had the federal government not stepped in and said, no, stop. This is nonsense and overrode Vermont. But the notion that genetically modified food was going to kill you, 
and you needed to know the information so you could make a choice was all about what? Bodily autonomy, knowing what was going in your body, knowing the ingredients, and not being forced to eat something by virtue of the fact that you were unaware. The current mainstream narrative is that ignorant opposition to modernity, modern times, and biotechnology is strictly a phenomenon on the populist right, amplified by the new corporate technological boogeymen, big tech and social media. The populist right, for its part, is happily adopting this narrative. But technological ludism knows no party. Neil Young's got a legitimate case in criticizing Spotify for amplifying Joe Rogan's biotech misinformation, he writes. But first, he should atone for his own role in seeding COVID vaccine skepticism. Uh, I'm just pointing out, and again, I don't agree with everything he's written here, but I think it's very interesting about all this, right? This is Neil Young with GMOs here. I'll play this for Please you. Please welcome Dakota here. Johnson. Oh, a second here. Let me go right to YouTube and skip this stupid advertisement. There We're we back go. here with our friend Neil Young. Here we go. Now, uh, Neil, you got, uh, you're concerned about a lot of things going on in the world. And one of the things that you outspoken about is uh, things like Monsanto and genetically modified organisms like yes I am I, I, Frankenfoods yeah, stuff Franken like that foods, yeah. yes I care about the earth I care about the planet what's wrong with them what's wrong with them yeah what's wrong with them I mean a study just came out that says there's absolutely no nutritional difference between people in Europe who generally don't eat GMOs and Americans who do eat GMOs that, and that must be a Monsanto study that didn't notice the, the, the terrible diseases and all of the things that are happening. You're saying this stuff why like these, Why these things have been banned throughout Europe and throughout the world. Why 38 countries around the world ban GMOs. They didn't just label them. They're concerned, those governments, about the people that live in the country. They want to protect them. So you're absolutely, adamantly against GMOs. I am, yes. Hey, Neil Young, you with the hat. Hey. Why don't you say that oh to my, my foreign face? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Neil. This is one of our interns. It's a genetically modified ear of corn. Um, he goes to NYU. He's a... You got something you want to say about the GMOs? I'm all here. I'm sorry. Bob, what happened to you? You look, you look terrible. How do you think that makes me feel? Well, Not good. And I can... So what I think, again, is interesting, right, about this. This is Stephen Colbert, obviously. It's Neil Young on Stephen Colbert's show. And they're, they're mocking now. This intern's dressed up as an ear of court. And they're mocking GMOs. Literally now setting the stage for people who are uh, opposed to vaccines because they've been modified, obviously. And ironically enough, Neil Young will argue that if anybody is opposed to vaccines, they should be silenced and taken out and I guess put with the ears of cord, shuck them away, shuck them away. You see the hypocrisy here? Do you see the hypocrisy? Now, look, if you're somebody who doesn't want to be vaccined or vaccinated, I should say, and doesn't want to do GMOs, more power to you. My point, though, is don't be a freaking hypocrite. Don't turn around on the one hand and go, how dare these people not take the vaccine? I want anybody who has an opinion on this to be silenced. And, and, and shun from society. Oh, and at the same time, if I get a genetically modified piece of corn, I'm going to throw it at somebody's head. That's hypocrisy is what that is. Buildings, love, happiness, the agony of knowing that I'm a man-corn hybrid with no genitalia. <laughs> I was born this way. Why do you have to label me? Well, I don't generally like to label things, but you're so dangerous 
and you're dangerous to me personally and my family and the rest of the planet. Wow, check out the niblets of Neil Young. (laughs) I suppose if you had your way, I'd be bad in all the countries. Who owns you? Nobody owns me. I'm my own corn. Oh, I think you aren't. No, I think somebody owns you and makes money from having you here. Where's all the diversity we used to have with corn? Is this what we have now, just this? Yeah, I'm delicious and everybody loves me. Yeah, right. That's why you're banned in 38 countries. Oh, really? Yes. You want to ban me, Neil? Well, old man, oh, you better yeah. take a look at your life because it's going to end right now. I'm so angry. I'm so- anyway, stupid skit. Went on too long with the genetically modified corn. Old man, take a look at my life. And the memes about this are, are, are great, too. Neil Young, I hope Neil Young will remember. Spotify doesn't need him around anymore. <laughs> but he's a hypocrite, is what he is. He's a hypocrite. And there's so many like him out there. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, so switching gears to the United States Supreme Court and where things stand with that. Today, Snarks... Jen Psaki, of course, the White House spokesperson, press secretary, I should say. She was asked about the role that Kamala Harris will play in this whole S show. Uh, who here at the White House is helping the president to sort of lead this search effort? Is, is this Ron Klain who, who's helping him go through this process? And would he then be the person to kind of uh, shepherd the nominee through the Hill process as well, through meetings and such? Sure. Well, first, the vice president will play a central role uh, in this process, and the president intends to consult with her very closely. Obviously, she has a long history uh, as a former attorney general, uh, as a member of the Judiciary Community uh, Committee, and he respects her opinion greatly. Uh, in addition to the vice president, President uh, Ron Klain will. Okay, so the vice president's going to spearhead this up. Do you remember when Dick Cheney was appointed to be the person who searched for George W. Bush's vice president and he decided that it was him? <laughs> Doesn't this sound kind of eerily familiar? Look, I, I, I can't make a prediction here. I, I, I don't want to make a prediction because I don't have enough. Uh, I don't talk to Democrats. I don't know what their thinking is, but. I just wouldn't be shocked if it turned out to be Kamala Harris. That's all. I just, I just wouldn't be shocked. This is a this is a pass. It's a hard pass by Republicans. They're, they're not going to fight this. Look, there's there's politics behind this. I, I know that some want to give the, the the Kavanaugh treatment right back to Democrats. Democrats are hoping that that happens. They're hoping that that happens. So they want to send a lightning rod to the nomination. But I don't think Republicans are going to buy it because they don't want to give them any fuel towards 2022 remember if the election were held tomorrow it's a blowout for republicans it's a blowout republicans went up and down everywhere i mean everywhere things are so bad inflation is so bad right now in california right now gas is four dollars and 62 cents a gallon it was only three dollars and 38 cents at this time last year all right now the last time it was that high was 2012 when barack obama was president so my point to you is things are not going well. Inflation, soaring, gas prices, you know all that. I don't, want, I don't need to repeat myself every day like other people on, on the radio. But, my, but knowing that then, Democrats want to fight. They want you, Republicans, they want Republicans to fight the nominee. They'd love it if, they, if Republicans did to their nominee what they did to Kavanaugh. They would love it. But it's not going to be that. Republicans are not going to do it. They don't have the votes to stop it. They, they're just going to let it hard pass. Go ahead. So then knowing that, then Biden wants to kind of bait them a little bit. And you might bait them with Kamala Harris because she's just so damn unlikable. I still don't think Republicans will take the bait, though. 
course, play a role. Dana Remus, Cedric Richmond, uh, Paige Herwig, who's a member of our council's office, and Louisa Terrell. Uh, as has been standard uh, in the past, um, we would anticipate bringing in additional expertise uh, from the outside to advise during the confirmation process. Would expect we would have that team in place uh, prior to a selection, uh, but that is not finalized at this point. And now that we uh, you know, have heard the president speak publicly about this, I, I wonder if you can take us sort of back maybe a little bit in time. When did the president first learn of Justice Breyer's uh, intent to retire, and you know, how was he informed? If you could just explain a little bit of the backstory. Sure. Well, first, uh, as you heard the president say, and you've heard us say, uh, this was Justice Breyer's decision to make on his own timeline uh, and through uh, his own conditions he determined. Uh, so we aren't going to lay out more specifics from here in terms of uh, when the the president was aware. Uh, the president, uh, I, I can tell you that Justice Breyer uh, hand-delivered uh, the letter uh, to the president this morning that you saw released by the Supreme Court, uh, and that was the formal notification from Justice Breyer. And I asked you about this yesterday, just wondering if you had a chance to look into it, just uh, confirming is it the White House's view that, that the vice president does have the authority to, to break uh, a tie in a Senate confirmation? I know you asked me that. I know there is historic precedent on that front, um, but I will double check and see. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize for not getting back to you on that. Go ahead, Ed. Just one other. You know, I would think at this moment, too, that um, this is the time now for every Republican to wise up about what the long term game here is for Democrats. It is about Roe v. Wade. It's about Roe v. Wade. It's about Roe v. Wade. That's what it's about. Abortion, abortion, abortion. It's all they care about as their big issue. It's what it is. Now, maybe everybody understands that. But I think the mistake that Republicans make sometimes is that the Democrats would love this to be what everybody's talking about versus inflation, versus the price of, as I said today on the show, and I stand by this, more people care about the price of Breyer's ice cream than the retirement of Justice Stephen Breyer. Or more people care more about the fact that they can't find Breyer's ice cream than the retirement of Justice Stephen Breyer. Either way, the point is that what the American people are focused on right now is this. They are looking about what their the price to fill the, to, to fill their tank with gas, fill the fridge with food. That's what they're looking at right now. And what the Democrats want to do is the Democrats want to get into a situation where they bait Republicans into having a culture battle. That's what they want. So Republicans have to avoid that. They just don't get just don't get into it. You know what I mean? The the issues that should be what moms and and women voters are talking about should be entirely about feeding their families and driving the kids around and that's what that should be about. The the Democrats want to make it about about abortion and abortion rights as they call it and blah 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 blah. Now, for conservative voters who are like-minded and pro-life, this is on their mind anyway. For extreme Democrats, it's on their mind anyway. What the Democrats want to do is push it front and center. So Republicans should avoid doing that at any cost. What I fear is that the Democrats, because they always have something up their sleeve, are going to try to do something to elevate this front and center. Now, hopefully I'm wrong on that point. But they have been pretty stupid lately, that's for sure. This woman, Chelsea Mitchell, she wrote a great piece on foxnews.com. She said, the NCAA, which is a college athletics, then and, and leaders are deliberately turning a blind eye to injustices in women's sports. Female athletes are being punished for a biological reality we can't do anything about, she says. She said, they used to call me the fastest girl in Connecticut. 
but I couldn't outrun an injustice. For four years, I competed as a high school runner. Made it to the state championships every one of those years, but in my junior year, I lost four of the state titles I earned to males who identified as females. They give awards based on who wins. Typically, the person with the strongest muscles, the greatest lung power, the fastest speed, not based on how a person identifies. At the end of the race, it's about biology, not gender identity, and no amount of testosterone suppression can change a male's innate physical advantages like bone structure and muscle mass. You know, I, I, I really do feel bad for this woman. And so many people like her are dealing with the same thing right now. They're being ignored. They are being mistreated. The NCAA and, and these colleges are all about being woke and they don't care about people like her. And I feel bad because this is what she's worked her entire life to. And we used to be a country that was trying to, we were trying to protect women's rights in sports. Do you remember? Remember that? That was something we tried to do. We don't do that anymore, do we? No, now we don't care about women's sports. We completely now suppress women. She says, as fast as I am, I can't run, outrun the advantages of men. And for saying that out loud, I've been branded by some as a sore loser and a hater. But what I object to has nothing to do with hate. No, of course it doesn't have anything to do with hate. It shouldn't be, but this is what happens. This is why a lot of people like her won't come out and speak out because they're being accused of hate. And then they try to cancel them. And that's a damn shame. This is what happens, though. See, we're at this point in time right now, like right now the left's trying to cancel Evangeline Lilly because she went to that protest in D.C., They'll cancel college kids if they speak out because they don't want trans, they would compete against transgender athletes. They'll cancel Joe Rogan for having different opinions than what the intelligentsia says. They'll, they'll do all these things because we live in a cancel culture right now that tolerates this. And we also live at a time now when the government gets to decide what's information, and what's misinformation. And we've got people like the Surgeon General of the United States of America saying the government needs to step up and do more to make sure that misinformation disappears. This is openly calling for the government to come out and advocate for censorship. That's what they want. Now, on The View, not The View, MSNBC, Joy Reid, one of the dumbest, but also one of the most racist people on earth. And I think dumb people are racist. I mean, racist people are dumb. I I really do. I think that. Not every dumb person's a racist, but every racist is dumb. She's dumb. She's a racist. She had a whole racist panel on. But listen to the hypocrisy of this for a moment. To just Remember, these are all people that support vaccine mandates. They don't think you should be able to work, eat, drink, live your life without a vaccine. This is what they said regarding abortion. Take a listen. You know, to that point, I mean, I feel like in some ways um, Republican nominations have either been um, sort of a, a, a bait and switch on, on on black folks as when Clarence Thomas was nominated to replace the great Thurgood Marshall. And so what they're saying here, we're going to give you a black person, but it's going to be somebody whose agenda on the court is going to be antithetical to everything Thurgood Marshall stood for, which also is one of the reasons that makes me happy to see Sherilyn Eiffel's name on that list, because of course she sits in that same uh, role at Le- 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 the NBC- N- NAACP Legal Defense uh, Education Fund. But I mean, you know, there was sort of a, it's all, or, or like punitive or highly stringently ideological irregardless or, or regardless of their moral qualifications you think of a Kavanaugh and same thing with Clarence Thomas the things they were accused of and the fact that that court decides whether women have control over our bodies with two men on it like that um, is, is, is scandalous for a, a democracy so what kind of moral that this court would decide people have control over their bodies Each and every one of these people on MSNBC on this panel were rooting for the Supreme Court to turn around and say you had to get a vaccine or be fired. 
Do you realize the hypocrisy of these people? I mean, it screams out at you, doesn't it? I feel it. I hope you, I think you feel it too. I'm sure you do. Sort of, I don't know, what kind of moral case ought Biden make when it comes to his nominees? Because they are going to get attacked. These are black women if he does nominate a black woman. Absolutely. And I would say, just to add to the playbook that, that Ellie was laying out, you're already seeing Republican legal elites attack, uh, for example, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who is the front runner, was a former... Anyway, it doesn't, it, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Uh, man-child Justin Trudeau slamming those Canadian truck drivers holding a nationwide protest against vaccine mandates. And uh, g- good for them. Bravo to them, by the way, for doing this. Here's man-child woke Justin Trudeau. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing unacceptable. do not represent the Let's view- start this. Let's, <laughs> let's dig into this for a moment, shall we? Oh, yes. Boy, he's so manscaped. He definitely gets his eyebrows waxed, which is a dude I don't think you should. I'm just saying. But they're definitely whack. They're too perfect, his eyebrows. He's definitely manscaped. And, I mean, you can pluck, pluck away. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, the wax and, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I'm just saying. It just looks weird. It, his eyebrows don't look manly. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And I know I'm not ashamed to say that, by the way. But, anyway, let's back up a, a second here. So, a small minority of people. If it's such a small minority, what do you need a mandate for? If it's such a small minority of people, why do you have why why a mandate out of curiosity? And why are you calling it a mandate? Why not a person date? Secondly, unacceptable views for holding unacceptable views. This is the Prime Minister of Canada saying that people who have views that disagree with him are unacceptable. Let me start that over. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Next question. Next question. Would you call it a mandate or a person date or a human date? What would be the politically correct word since man is in the title of mandate? Eh? That'd be the question I've got to ask. Don't you dare have unacceptable views. We will not tolerate your unacceptable views in Canada. All right? These people make me sick. They really do. These are tyrants, totalitarians, authoritarians, autocrats. They want no dissenting views whatsoever. They won't allow debate. They are the absolute worst. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it.